you. Today's gospel reading comes from the first chapter of Luke's gospel. I begin the reading in verse five. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both were getting on in years. Once when he was serving as priest before God and his section was on duty, Zechariah was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know that this is so? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Through the songs and the music, through the whispers of angels, and most of all through your word, O God. May you speak to us this day. For we pray in Christ's name, amen. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. You know that line, it comes from O Holy Night. For obvious reasons, it's been on my mind all week. Our theme for this Advent season is, how does a weary world rejoice? 
Because let's be honest, our world is nothing if not weary and wearying right now. The noise of politics, the polarizing us and them in every category you can imagine, and now war in a land that at least three faith traditions call holy. If that isn't enough, let's top it off with a couple cold gray days of rain. But that one line from O Holy Night has been on continuous loop in my head, especially as I read the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth from Luke's Gospel. You know, Luke and Matthew are the only two Gospel writers who say anything at all about the birth of Christ. And before Matthew ever gets to Jesus, he starts with the begats. You remember them, right? Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and so on and so on. Mark's gospel abruptly announces the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Not even a complete sentence. For his part, John waxes poetic. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But Luke starts with two people you almost never hear about. They only show up at Christmas time when everyone else is rushing to Bethlehem. Luke's gospel opens with Elizabeth and Zechariah, the parents of John the Baptist. Zechariah is a priest, and Elizabeth is a descendant of Aaron. You remember Moses' brother, who was the Hebrew people's first high priest. Her father was a priest, and his father was a priest, and his father was a priest, and so on up the line. In another time, they might have been a clergy couple. But in their own time, only Zechariah gets to go into the family business. Elizabeth's job is to have priestly children. Only she hasn't. And typical for those days, all the blame for their childlessness falls on her. Elizabeth and Zechariah have prayed endlessly for a child. But months and years have gone by, and they are getting old. They are way past the time when prayers for a child seem sensible. But if you or anyone you know has struggled with infertility, you know that's an ache that almost never goes away. Then one day, Zechariah reports for work at the temple. Temple priests were split into 24 different groups, with each group serving for a week, twice a year. Every day during that week, one of the priests, just one, goes into the Holy of Holies, that's the inner sanctuary, to burn incense while the people pray outside. They believe the smoke from the incense will carry their prayers to God. And then the priest comes out and gives what's known as the priestly blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. You know the one. Well, this is a big deal, and here's why. Twice a year, when each of those 24 groups come together, they cast lots to see who will enter the Holy of Holies. If any of them have ever been before, they cannot be chosen a second time. So this is a job no priest can do twice in his lifetime, and some never get to do it at all. 
So it's a big deal. But it's also a scary deal because there are stories about priests entering the sanctuary and things going horribly awry. At one time, there had been a practice of tying a rope to the priest's leg so that if he died in the Holy of Holies, the other priests could drag his body out without risking death themselves. So no surprise when Zechariah enters the sanctuary with trepidation. Even then, he is not prepared for what happens. As Zechariah approaches the altar, an angel appears and Zechariah is utterly terrified. Overwhelmed by fear, Luke says. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, the angel says, for your prayer has been heard. Well, fine, but which prayer is that? A priest goes into the temple to pray on behalf of the people, all their hopes and dreams and longings. But Zechariah knows exactly which prayer the angel is referring to. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. So here's a priest who prays fervently, but who is not prepared for his prayers to be answered. Given one weary day after another, even the most faithful can lose hope. Zechariah can't wrap his head around it. How am I to know that this is so far? I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. You've got to admit, it's a reasonable question, right? Because you did not believe my words, the angel says, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. And that, in fact, is what happens. Zechariah is sentenced to nine months of absolute silence, which is a pretty strict penalty for somebody who talks for a living. All the commentaries suggest this happens because of Zechariah's lack of faith, its punishment. But I wonder if the angel just renders Zechariah unable to speak because he needs to stop talking, stop planning, Stop priesting and just live with this news for a while. Kathleen Norris calls this Zechariah's own private pregnancy, nine months of enforced silence to reflect on the staggering possibility that God might be up to something new. I get that. You do too. There is so much noise in our lives, in our world, that we rarely hear the still small voice, or the angel's whisper, or the thrill of hope, especially when it arrives amidst pain and weariness. But maybe God needs to shake Zechariah out of his old, tired routine so that something new can be born in its place. And so I ask, what about you? What would it take for God to get your attention? I wonder if that isn't the point. Maybe that's why we get this story about Zechariah and Elizabeth before we get the story about Mary and Joseph.
Maybe Zechariah is here to prepare us to come face to face with something we never expected and can never explain, and maybe the best thing we can do is to stop pretending that we can read God's mind and just wait and watch for whatever God might do next. Maybe it's time to claim the angel's gift of silence again. Now that seems like an odd thing to say in an Advent season so drenched in music like today. But I see you all out there. Some of you don't sing because you don't want to or you think you can't sing. And to that I say phooey. (laughs) But some of you don't sing. And I can tell who you are. You don't sing because you just need to be quiet and let the music wash over you. One writer describes that beautifully. Friends of mine lost their son to cancer at a young age, she says. They were overwhelmed with grief and the light of faith seemed an ember ready to go out. We went to church, they said, but we just couldn't sing. Nevertheless, they kept going Sunday after Sunday. They said, we let others sing for us, and we listened until we could sing again. And that, the preacher says, sounds like gospel. Amen? Friends, here is, here is bread, 